You want to know my occupation? I get paid to rock the nation. I go to work, work, work. telling you, man, if Cool Mo D had come along 10 years later, one of us in this room would have a Cool Mo D tattoo right now, man. Cool Mo D was as good as 80s rap got. He was he was the Buster Rhymes of his age. Mm. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 356, I think. That seems about right. Okay, it doesn't really matter. No one's keeping track, are they? Yeah, it doesn't. You're, actually, it doesn't matter, does it? Because people kind of listen to the episodes that they want to listen to. They look at the the guest yep. that's on or whatever, or the topic, and they're like, yeah, and they're like hey, man, did you hear episode 351? No, I just listened to the one with Ellen Stanley, which is what you're going to be doing today, coming up very shortly. In the meantime, my name is Brian Oak. It is the Brian Oak Show here in the Smart Start MN Studios in South Minneapolis on Chicago. And before we get into any sponsorship or any of that nonsense, and also talking to Ellen about an incredible anniversary that she has coming up here, uh, I want to ask you a question, Sean. Are you superstitious about anything like step on a crack, break your mama's back, uh, walk under a ladder, any of that kind of nonsense? I would say no, except for I am. <laughs> I, I so I would outwardly say no, I'm not. But have I have I been known to wear a certain Viking shirt? Yeah, for the games. And does it work? About ninety percent of the time, mm. doesn't work. Ninety percent of the targeting time? against Josh Dobbs in the first quarter. He gets hit helmet to helmet wow. by a guy who just got up. Sorry, I will. I'll stop my rant. No, you can get. Yeah, yeah, this is a podcast. This yeah. is where we rant. This yeah. is what we do here. I was so upset about that targeting no call that then, of course, now they've suspended the guy for four games and five hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars. But but we didn't get the penalty. We didn't get the penalty, which kind of changed the outcome of the game, being we lost by a point. What? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Oh, the reason I ask about superstition yes. is there's not a specific one about this. On the way over here, normally when a bird is pecking at flattened roadkill in the yes. middle of the road, as you drive up, it will fly away. There was a blackbird, raven, Uh-oh. crow, That's something. I have sign. no idea. That's not good. It didn't move as I, as oh, I drove no. up to it. Now, here's the deal, though. Here's the weird thing. And I'm not sure if I'm awake right now or if I'm dreaming because I just kept going. And when I looked in the rearview mirror, it was gone. So there may be a raven 
somewhere up in the drive shaft of my vehicle. I don't. This it, is why you did not find that pie four and twenty blackbirds. Unbelievable, man! It's unbelievable. <laughs> this is the Brian Oak Show podcast. It's powered by Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What the hell does that mean, Sean? It just means that. Well, let's just go back to the fact that if you've gotten, you are somebody you know, by the way. Yeah. Oftentimes, oh, I know somebody that got a DUI. I know some people who've had DUIs. And they lost their license right away before they went to trial. Uh Uh-huh. And they don't get to drive their kids to all their different lessons, which is not good. Now their spouse is really unhappy with them. Um, But they decided to go to the legislature and say, well, wait a second. We should allow these people to drive if they blow clean. Right. Um, so it's a pretty cool little doohickey that they legislated for, and it's happening in Minnesota. They'll also give you a discount. You can go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show for 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. And we've got more sponsors to thank coming up very shortly, but yes. I want to get to the matter at hand. Uh, this past weekend, I, I'm a little weary right now because I did this whirlwind three-day tour yes. of California this past weekend. With and, your daughter, which is so cool. Well, she and I have traveled to see music yeah. on several occasions, Love and it. it was incredible. We went to a thing called Darker Waves. Now, we've the Cruel World Festival is really sort of the predecessor of this thing. The last two years in a row, my daughter and I have gone out to Pasadena, California, to at the near the Rose Bowl, their festival grounds nearby, mm-hmm. to see this great 80s revival bit, right? And this past weekend, um, we went something called darker waves and my daughter bought tickets without me knowing well before she's like you need to get this time off i'm like i don't know if i can get that time off she's like get the freaking time off all right and i was like okay we'll do and we went out to huntington beach california i haven't spent a lot of time in south beach there's like 40 beaches down there and some of them a little sketchier than others huntington beach is this lovely like gorgeous kind of ritzy area i'm surprised they let them have it there but i went to my first ever gigantic music festival on the sand we're standing in the sand watching these bands play but here's what makes it even more pardon me everything all right Sorry, I'm, I, I'm having some Italian reflux? sparkling soda, and no, I feel fine. The curses I just, of the raven? Don't say things like that, man. <laughs> That's not cool. That's not cool. Anyway, you will have acid reflux oh, the rest of your days. Is that how? Is that, is that what it is when you kill a raven? That's what it is, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah All right, very good. Um, we went to something called Darker Waves, and I mean, I'm going to give you just a quick rundown of the top bands that were on this thing. New Orders. Tears for Fears, yes. Echo and the Bunnymen, Devo, Soft yep. Cell, OMD, yep. mm-hmm. Violent Femmes, etc., etc. X, a brilliant band, and this is going to make me sound like a hipster fucking douche, but <laughs> there's a band called Moleshot Doma out of Belarus, which I've now seen three times inadvertently, and they're brilliant. They're one of my very favorite bands playing live music on the planet right now. But here we are in beautiful... And the the weather in California was perfect. 68 degrees for a high during the day. You love that. Down to the 50s at night. And you you could tell when the temperature changes, but during the day, it feels hot in the sun, and at night, it's a little chilly. You wish you had maybe a, a shawl or something to wrap around yourself. But... 25,000 people showed up for this three-stage, one-day show. Mm. 
imagine the gothiest goths that have ever gothed. You know, the big chunky boots, oh, the yeah. fishnet stockings, the cakes, black lipstick, the, all of it, yeah. the pancake makeup, all of it. Yep. Imagine them standing on the the sandy beaches of Southern California. It's weird to think that Southern California has become, you know, as bright and sunshiny and tan yeah. as Baywatch as it all is, has become ground zero for goth culture in the Western mindset and but there we were and so it's goth and goth adjacent and so we're watching all these bands but here we are trying to watch people in their three inch platform black boots wander around the sand it was an incredible experience i had a fantastic time punctuated by good friends old friends that have moved to california incredible food i had an amazing time so amongst all those other bands that i listed off the highlight for me of this entire one day festival where difficult decisions were made how do you feel sean if you go to a music festival you know usually they stagger them a little bit yes. so you can catch a, this one boom 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 blocks blocks, oh. blocks so you have to choose between one of three bands and you're like man and for me the decisions were fairly easy but then a couple got difficult and then i realized the b52s were playing the b52s are in my top five bands of all time like without question yeah you have to go see them time and i did and you know what some bands are holding up extremely well, considering they've been at it for more than yeah. 50 years. Other bands are not. The B-52s were fucking spectacularly good. So Kate good. Pearson and everybody still had the Everybody. And, cool. No, they sound good, and Fred is as every bit the freaky deke he always was. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed myself so much. And again, like you said, standing there next to my daughter, no words needed to be exchanged. No. We just enjoyed ourselves immensely, had a fantastic time. The only regret I have is that the B-52s, given the fact they played all the hits, they didn't play this song, which is not a hit, but it's one that I want wanted to hear so we're going to hear it right now on the brian oak show here are the b52's strobe light Tonight. I want you to walk in the door. I want you to lay on the floor. Cause tonight's the night we make love under a sofa.
my head Everything I see is red Baby, when I kiss your hair I feel electricity in the air I'm gonna kiss your eye. <gasps> then I'm gonna kiss your neck. <laughs> then I'm gonna kiss your tummy. Ooh. Then I'm gonna kiss your pineapple. <laughs> Tonight's the night for love under the light. I'm sorry that they didn't play that at Darker Waves. That being said, I had one of my favorite weekends in memory ever this past weekend, watching them along with dozens of other incredible bands performing in Huntington Beach, California. By the way, if you're going to go to South Beach, which is a, an agglomeration of dozens of beaches down yeah. there, you know, you can go to Redondo, you can go to Venice, you can go wherever you want, you go to Long Beach, but I wouldn't recommend it. Huntington Beach? Is kind of fancy, kind of nice, kind of decent. posh. Yeah, it is posh, but also that means fewer cigarette butts and broken yeah. beer bottles in the sand, which is always a, a preferable. Yeah, well, you and I are there. past the age of putting up with, you know, stepping on the beer, the broken beer bottles. Now. Well, I, I, again, I always was past that age. There's, <laughs> there's nothing like a quick trip to the emergency yep. room when you just wanted a day Concert at the beach. over. <laughs> it is the Brian Oaks Show. Thank you very much for tuning in. It is here in the Smart Start MN Studios. And it's time now to say hello to today's guest who has been a guest before, and it's lovely to see her again. Ellen Stanley, a.k.a. Mother Banjo, is back again. Ellen, hello. Hi. It's How great are to you? be here. It was about a year ago, I think, that I was I was last here. It's it's hard for me to remember these things um, because it I'm feels like, like it was like seven months because time just flies by, right? Oh, oh way, way, way too fast. Uh, before we get into any of the specifics about what you're up to and what's been going on, How's life treating you? Is your 2023 okay? It's been good. It's really busy, but it's hard to complain about being busy in, in the line of work I do. So it means that I'm gigging. It means I'm making music. It means I'm uh, the kid is growing. All those good things. So I don't know. Uh, How old is the kid now? Four and a half. Oh. And of course, he has to add on the half all the time. Oh, well, yeah. Because I'm not just four, mom. All right, I'm four and a half. Oh, I know. I feel like we get you get little. Um, he's delightful and joyful, but every once in a while you get the the little snippet of what he's going to be like as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Come on, mom. Come on. What mom. I love is when 
the nature of parentage seeps into the individual for real. You're like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's been hard, and it's been hard work, and you've been doing a great job, but you're like, oh, this shit's nowhere near over. <laughs> nowhere near over. <sighs> so in addition, before we talk, I mean, we're going to talk about your music. We're going to plug the gig. We're going to do all that stuff. But you also promote a tremendous number of other musicians around the, the area, around the Twin Cities, around whatever. Musicians usually want to music, right? They want to do that kind of thing. What impelled you to be like, no, you know what? I'm going to do this for other people too because they need a leg up. They, you cannot get there without some additional support. Why do you like to do that? I'm a fan. I, I mean, everything I've done in music really started with being a fan, including making music. Yeah. So I feel like I was fan first. And then I was like, I, w- I want to make music. Or I want to be involved in music in, in every way possible. And um, so I played music growing up, um, you know, did the choir thing and all the other things you do, piano lessons, and um, later started making music. But even before I started making music under the name Mother Banjo, which is my current thing, um, I really just wanted to be around music. So I I started doing radio in college. I I started an annual folk festival. I started um, booking for Josh Ritter before he was had a real agent because um, he was a college <laughs> pal of mine. Wow. Um, so like really I just was like I like I like music. And so I think everything I've done has really been about um, selfishly wanting to be around it and make sure artists I love continue to make music so that I can enjoy it. Well, and that makes sense. It's just that my hatred of paperwork <laughs> is so deep that like I, I again I realized that I was and you do make music, but I realized I would never be making music, but I wanted to be adjacent to it, mm-hmm. and that's why I do what I do for a living and have done for way too long. But the thought of adding paperwork on top of that and nonstop phone calls and coordination and emails and all of it that sounds like a living nightmare. But you apparently have found a piece with it. Yeah, no, I think um, I mean we all wish we had less emails. I guess oh. <laughs> had to spend less time on social media. Those are I think are like universal. But um, it's really about people. It's just like, uh, you know, um, when you talk with media, it's the same thing as when you talk with other music fans, hopefully. Um, (laughs) Not always, but um, on the good days, it feels like the the vast majority of people I get to communicate with are people who really also love music. I mean, they might not have the time or luxury to cover everything they want to cover and and they might or might not like what you're pitching them. But I, I feel like. People are people, and um, I don't know. It's just about thinking of it as a one-on-one thing as opposed to uh, me pitching some big thing. It's just talking to people. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, and that, I feel like without that mindset, you'd probably be in trouble, right? Like you would have given up You can't take it personally. No, no, you can't. Well, you're one of those people, Ellen, that could have done so many other things had you wanted to because you are this incredible organizer. Like, you're very detail-oriented. That doesn't always go along with somebody being a great musician as well. I mean, I think that is true. I think I also discovered pretty early on that I'm like, well, A, I knew I didn't want to be a full-time musician. Like pretty early on, I was like, I'm not ambitious enough and I I don't have that level of skill. Like I I love music. I like making music. I'm proud of the music I've made, Um, but I wouldn't want to do it full-time or do the work that it would involve to do it full-time. Like I don't want to be on the road all the time. I don't, you know... That wasn't something that I ever really wanted, um, but I'm like, but I have all these other skills that I do have. Yes, um, you do. And yeah. um, I, I, I like working with people. I like 
um, helping people get organized. And if I can help um, them tell their story to other people, which is essentially all that uh, publicity is, is like telling the story of Mm -hmm. a band or an album and being like, okay, what do you think? And that's pretty much it. It's not rocket science. It just takes That's, time takes and care. Of, it takes details and, and doing things on time and the right way. Mm-hmm. And it's not just checking boxes. You do them well. So congratulations oh, on that. I've well, just followed you. your career for so many years back <laughs> in the Minnesota uh, Music Coalition days, I think, is when we first met. And you just have been so involved with not just Minnesota music, but regionally as well. Yeah. And uh, actually, a lot of my clients now are, are national and international. That's so, fantastic. Um, because my... My interests are all over the place. Of so course. It's, and that's the best thing about what I do now is that, um, I, I mean, I've worked for, I worked for a bunch of years at Red House Records, which is, you know, a folk and Americana mm-hmm. label. Um, and I worked with Minnesota Music Coalition, which is Minnesota music. But what's great now is I can work with all of those things. So I can work with any genre, any artist from any location. And, um, and I get to do it uh, from right here in South Minneapolis. Yes. So that's pretty awesome. Well, uh, working at Red House Records, I'm going to ask a question here. Did you ever get to meet Greg Brown? Oh, yeah. All the time. I mean, oh. I worked with him. I drove him to places and okay, stuff. Okay, well, so yeah. I want to ask a question, and please don't break my heart. Tell me that Greg Brown's a good dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah? He's a good dude. And um, what's really funny, though, is, you know, he, he's an example of someone who needs the people. Um, yeah. And that he's a brilliant songwriter yeah, yeah. and musician and deep-thinking human. Yeah. Um, he does not care one bit about the business. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, why he's such an authentic songwriter is he's not thinking about what it will be like or what the album will mean and how it will be accepted. When is this going to press? In fact, uh, so there's so many stories about him just like he was like once at an airport. I remember Bob Feldman, the founder of Red House, telling me this, that one time he was coming back from a gig and he had a bunch of like leftover CDs and he just didn't want to carry him, and he just like dumped him in the garbage. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow! At least leave yeah. him on the seat, yeah, man. Exactly. You're Greg Brown. I just he, he and that I was like, oh, it's like it's like throwing out money. This was like an era where you you sold a lot oh, of yeah, CDs. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. it was like, I mean, it was probably like a couple hundred dollars worth of oh. merch. He just man, right in the garbage, and someone <laughs> took it out to the dumpster at some airport, and. <laughs> That sounds this that actually warmed my heart very much. <laughs> Ellen, you are Mother Banjo and Mother Banjo's band, and it is the tenth anniversary celebration of the Devil Hasn't Won, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about the date. We're going to talk about all the details, mm-hmm. but before we go any further, we've gone too long without music. Mm. Please tell me about this song right here, "Rise Up Sinner," because both Sean and I are still recovering catholics and it sounds like this the, album is for you well, <laughs> i'm just it, saying it, it sounds it sounds like the kind of thing that i would have heard it's a rise up sinner tell me about this song and then we're gonna hear it okay um well i just want to preface this whole album is what i call pub gospel um which is really just it's gospel music for everyone it's not um you can believe anything you want whatever this is all about just people uh connecting with other people and like how to make this world a better place, which I think is uh, through love and connection, which is what this album is really about and trying to be a better person. That's kind of the theme of the record. Um, It was preceded by a sinning record. So it seemed like the proper order to do uh, the sinning (laughs) story songs, which is more indie folk vibe. And then I did a, and that was an EP. So like five songs. (laughs) And now I have the full length gospel record to make up for all the sinning. So Really, I think of them, though, as two sides to the same coin. It's just about being human 
You know, we mess up. We try and be better. Uh, we mess up again, maybe in a different way, hopefully. And <laughs> and the cycle continues. Um, so uh, this song, it's not a preachy album. This song, Rise Up Sinner, is actually, I think of it, I mean, you can think of it in any way you want, but I think of it as, as someone helping someone else um, to uh, to help them out of the out of the the low place that they're in. So that's what I think of the song. Sinner, oh sinner, rise up. Sinner, oh sinner, rise up.
Mm, that feels like maybe the, for lack of a more inventive term, the spiritual core of what that record is about. The Devil Hasn't Won, Mother Banjo Band, the 10th anniversary of that particular release. Oh. Is it weird how fast a decade goes to you? Oh my God, yeah. I can't, it feels like yesterday that we made that record. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then I looked back, I was like, what? And then I thought, like, <laughs> have I been even making music that long? I feel like a newbie still. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that song, hearing that song, it, it brings back a, a lot of, a lot of memories. Um, but it's really special because that was, it's the, actually the only album I put under the name Mother Banjo Band, even though I've been playing with a lot of the same people for a long time. Mm. Um, but when we made this record, we um, we have been playing, you know, a lot of times we've been playing the songs out for a while by the time we record them. But this was one where we had just been, we had had a regular residency at the Amsterdam when the Amsterdam was newish. And um, we just, we were in such a tight place and we had really coalesced as a really specific uh, five-piece band. And um, and Ben Cookfeltz, my now husband, uh, had joined the band. We weren't dating yet or anything, but... Uh-uh. Um, uh, we were making music together, and, and the vocal stack, uh, which is still one of my favorites, with Dan Gorder playing guitar and singing, and Ben on keys and singing. It's um, yeah, it was really special. So when we recorded these songs, we recorded them all live, all the basic tracks live together at Wild Sound, and um, and yeah, we tried doing the click track, and we're like, nope, they kills the spirit and on a gospel record you can't kill the spirit well that's the whole thing right <laughs> is the feel the flow it's the vibe the it's yeah. the whole bit well that record <clears throat> celebrating its 10th anniversary it is being re-released on a special 180 gram edition vinyl coming up in just a couple short days this friday and then a couple short days after that there is a show to celebrate its release at the dakota now the dakota is one of my favorite rooms in that i can both eat my prime rib and listen to an amazing... Is it weird... I mean, you've played the Dakota before, yeah. certainly. Yeah, okay. Um, it, is it weird hearing people's silverware clink on their plates while you're playing up there? No, I mean, and you get that at the Astor, too, and yeah. other... A, a lot of my favorite venues, um, I love to eat and hear music, so I figure if I like... If it's a venue I like to see music mm-hmm. in, then it's probably a venue I want to play music in. And the beauty yeah. of the Dakota is it really is both of those things, because yeah. the, the sound is so great... But also the stage is really special because it's not a very big stage. No, it's not. I mean, it's like, you know, this world famous jazz club um, and it has, a, you know, it has, a, you know, decent capacity. But the stage is, itself is very small. And one of the things I love about it is that a, it's, you know, kind of a thrust stage. So it's kind of in the middle. The audience is kind of surrounding mm-hmm. you, which mm-hmm. means people are close. No Minnesotans are like, you know, stack sitting <laughs> in the back. You know, you actually feel their presence. Um, but also... Um, we play better together as a band when we're close together. Like whenever we've played on bigger stages, I've learned that we have to still have our mics close together. Like when we are spread out, it's just, it's fine. It just, I I feel like we're better when we're crammed in together. And, uh, and of course they have that great piano. So Ben's pretty excited about, about that. He'll be doing double duty on drums and and piano. At Um, the same time. Uh, not at the same time, but uh, Mary Bue will be playing piano oh and gosh, sitting in on a her. few tunes as well. So we're pretty excited about that. It's hard to look directly at Mary Bue for me because I feel like she's got a ray of light coming out of the top of her head. <laughs> she's one of those infectious individuals, whether she's simply having a conversation, a chit chat, whether she's playing live, whatever she's doing. The other day, I was sitting out in front of the Smart Start MN studio here and I was having a cigarette. She happened to be rolling by on her bike, stopped by, and we ended up talking for 20 minutes. She, I mean, she's incredible. How do you know Mary Bue? 
Um, well, I've been a fan of hers for a long time. She's been a guest on my Women Folk Radio show over the years. Um, and um, she's been a client as well because, again, fan. If I'm a fan of theirs, uh, then I want to promote them in all ways I can. Right. Um, but we've also, she's also a neighbor, and we've also, um, both Ben and I have played gigs with her. So we're, yeah, big fans. Before we talk more about the record and the upcoming release show, which is impending, by the way, I know that today is Wednesday. This will go out today. For the people who listen who already haven't started drinking, it is Drinksgiving. Just take it easy, all right? Settle down. There's a lot to get to this weekend, up to and including eating, family, and then lots of music to and go don't see. Don't even drive there. Take the Uber there, because mm-hmm. you might have more than you expected. The So here's the thing. I didn't have anything to drink when I was in California. Yeah. That being said, I may have had a few things. I, I thought about renting a car while I was there, and I'm like, well, let's see. Given how expensive car rentals are right now versus Ubering, because California, yeah. driving in California sucks it's out loud. Awful, Everyone awful, knows awful, it. it. doesn't yeah. matter. You can be going at 2 in the morning. You can be going at 11 in the morning. Yeah. You can be going during rush hour. It always sucks. I I can't tell you. I, I might have spent as much on Uber over the course of the last oh, four man. days that I spent on airfare. Before we go on with Ellen Stanley, let's go ahead and say hi to Scott McKay, the mortgage guy at Edge Home Finance. He's the guy who's been helping us out, jumped on board recently. Absolutely. Uh, if Even if you're not buying today and you want to plan for down the road, get in touch with Scott. His phone number is 612-875-4338. There's some pretty great programs right now. The interest rates have actually come down a little bit recently, which is nice. Go on. But you can still ask the seller to uh, help you with an interest rate buy down. So they, instead of taking money off the price of the house, if you're trying to negotiate, especially if the market, the home has been on the market for a while, great idea to try to negotiate that. Then you buy down that early rate um, or buy down that rate so that over the first few years of the loan, you're paying a lot lower rate, a lot less interest, of course, with that as well. His NMLS number is 332 Scott Mackay, the mortgage guy. Like that guy. Yeah, uh, he's a good the, dude. The very first, I, you just made me think of something because okay. we, bu- we bought down the mortgage rate when I bought my house, yeah. uh, my very first house I ever bought mm-hmm. brr, 23, 4 years ago. Do you know what I paid for? I know, again, it was a small little cracker box, but it was it was my first home that I ever bought. I felt like a very grown-up man. Do you know what I paid for my first house? 99 oh grand. Oh, my gosh. My first was 125 in 1998. Oh. Yeah, and I I totally ripped the guts out of that house, like down to the studs, re-sheetrocked. Well, it was plaster. Did sheetrock, did woodwork, did the whole thing top to bottom. Yeah, I didn't do any of that yeah. nonsense. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like a fucking nightmare it was a lot of work <laughs> ellen stanley aka mother banjo is our guest right now you've done radio you've done promotion you've done music you do everything your mom is there anything else that we should know about ellen stanley that might be hiding in the shadows like perhaps expert shot putter oh uh, i wish that i have a question for you awesome. actually that ties into this yeah you didn't share it the first time were there some great influences in your life early on I mean, who were who the people that influenced you to play piano, to to get involved with music? Music in general? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, certainly uh, I grew up in a music-loving family. Great. Um, but not not like I didn't grow up in a family band or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the music I make now, um, uh, it was really when I was, you know, I loved music. I listened to rock and pop yeah. music, played yeah. classical music, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I always loved storytelling oh, yeah. and, um, so I always loved like, even in the pop songs I loved, I like good story songs and, um, 
and lyrics were really important to me because uh, I was an avid reader. Um, but it was when I saw Dar Williams when I was 13. Mm. She played at my summer camp. She went wow. to my summer camp. Yeah. Um, and I, it was like I was 13 and she, I heard her sing when I was a boy and I was just like, it was like transformational, like to be, see someone so normal with no like trappings. Like I'd been to lots of concerts, yeah. like big concerts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just seeing someone play guitar who had gone to the same summer camp I did that was like singing about coming of age and like all these things that were so relatable. And it was like me and all these teenage girls were like, ah, mm. she knows us. She understands us. Yeah. And um, it was like, uh, it was really, at, at, it seemed so much more accessible and like, oh, this is mm-hmm. something I could do. And yeah. I didn't know that I'd ever really be able to do it, but I like wanted to be around that. And that's really was one of those transformational moments. It was like my gateway drug to contemporary folk music and songwriters and um and then you know like a week ago I opened up for her at the Cedar. Oh my and, gosh, full circle. That's and fantastic. and it was like wild. And we got to sing together. And I mean, I've known her over the wow. years. I've gotten to know her through through my Women Folk Show and other things I've done. But um, I had that moment though. Like even though I've known her now for for a few years, um, I had the moment when I was like singing with her on stage. I was like, my teenage self would not believe this. <laughs> Like That's this so is great like that you felt that it yeah. was like amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm That's like, how cool bit. is my life? Right? You know, like I, I feel like when I was younger, I actually had much lower expectations of what you know. I think when you're really young, you're like astronaut, you know, yes, you shoot yes, really big, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you're like NBA star, and then <laughs> yeah. and then you're like, and then you get to be like, I don't know, ten, twelve, and you're like, well. I'll be a te- I'll, be, I'll be not that there's anything wrong with being a teacher, but you know you have very yeah. limited yeah, yeah, ideas yeah, yeah. of what how many jobs there are. There's like four, you know, in your yeah. mind. You know, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. doctor, lawyer, teacher, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. And and I was like, well, of those, I I, mean, I guess a teacher. And but I don't really have any teaching skills, so I'm glad I didn't go into that realm. I'm glad other people do because it's a hard job. Um, but I I didn't thought that I'd be like a music publicist or that I would get to host a radio show and talk to my heroes and. I don't know. It's just life is way more interesting than you think it's going to be. That's the reason to get up every morning, right? Mm -hmm. Like every time I wake up, I'm like, oh, fuck this again. But then I'm like, you don't know what the day is. You you don't know. We should have that on a a poster in here as well. Uh, Rise up, center. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Close circuit to you, Evang. Oh, really? This shit again? Um, uh, Needlepoint, I'm more than happy to pay for it for Christmas because I could use a little motivation every morning. (laughs) But I mean, my point is sincere in that I, you know, you wake up and especially as you get older, you're like, okay, it's cool. It's cool. And it's not cool. But then there's always at least one cool thing a day. And and (laughs) often there are several cool things every day, but you have to keep your eyes open. You can keep your face buried in mud like you're bobbing for sorrow but you can also you know <laughs> that's uh, you, an album title by the really way is bobbing for sorrow. <laughs> but but you can also like if you find the magic in it it's always out there but you have to keep looking and also let's be honest what you've done didn't just fall in your lap there's a lot of hard work behind what you've done as well yeah yeah and i think uh but also just pursuing it being like this is what I want to do. So I'm just going to hang out with people that I think are interesting and I like. And, um, and if you really keep following those threads, they will lead you to the things that you want to do. I don't know. Huh. Important for people that are listening to this, that have kids. I think that's part of the reason why I asked the question is that they're constantly looking to be inspired. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to be that person that is willing to inspire others. Yeah. Know? 
And I think you won't know always where it comes from. No. Like, like it, I wasn't going to a music camp. I just like, it was a su- summer camp. I'd yeah. hang out for seven weeks and go canoeing and play, you know, go oh, on hikes. I've gone and, to plenty of summer camps. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, but Dar Williams didn't play at any of my fucking <laughs> summer camps. I'll tell you that right now. Well, my, actually, it was funny. So when we were on stage at the Cedar and she was singing her iconic song, Iowa, and I'm on stage and the audience is singing in the middle, she's like, well, this is the point where I try and say something that will encourage you all to sing. And she's like, first, I want to tell you something about, about Ellen. And then she's like, her grandmother was my canoeing counselor, which is true. Wow. I mean, I didn't, I was not, again, she was enough older than me that that was not when I was there. But um, I found out later from my grandma that I was like, I was like, did you know someone named Darwin? She's like, oh yeah, she was the cute girl who sang songs in the back of the van. And I was like, yeah, well now she makes a living doing (laughs) that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But again, this is a whole example is you don't know how how you will impact other people's lives. Like my grandmother made such an impact on her in a way mm. that, like, I wouldn't have known, except yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, Al. My my grandmother, Alice, yeah. was, went by Al. She was tough broad. And she, <laughs> she, uh, uh, Runs she, in the family. Guess, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but she was like, uh, you know, she wouldn't have known that she had such an impact on this young teenage girl, but, like, Dar still has stories about her and how, so like, cool. important this sort of, like, tough, strong woman was uh, as a role model for her. So the cool. 10th anniversary of your album, The Devil Hasn't Won, which I like the vibe, by the way. Not sure it's true still, but I'm I'm doing my best to believe. I have thoughts about that, by the way, <laughs> 10 years later. All right, well, let's talk about that on the other side of this because we've gone too long again without a song. This one is called New. Tell me about this song. Well, this I've recorded twice. I recorded it for my singing album um, uh, with John Hermanson. It was more of a duet, more indie folk vibe to it. Uh, John Hermanson from Story Hill and... Alpha Star mm-hmm. in those places. Um, and uh, I really actually, the, the song started with a, a line from Walden by Thoreau, which mm. I find, I, I'm probably going to offend someone. Should I say this? I find it very ponderous, that book. Um, yeah. But, and well, kind of self-righteous, um, like this is how you should live your life. Yeah. Um, that being said, there's all these nuggets. I think that's why it's the most quoted thing. Yeah. Uh, but there was a line talking about watching the corn grow up overnight. And I thought it was really evocative. And I originally started this song thinking about a, 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 I had a teenage girl in mind or a kid growing up too fast. Um, but really, uh, the song is taking on all these other meanings. Like uh, I, I was in a new relationship when I wrote it and talking about how you want to be new for someone, but you have all this baggage mm-hmm. and you can never really be new again. But you try and you hope uh, to be a, a better and a uh, person not carrying all that stuff with you. And so I, I wrote the song and really it's, yeah, people interpret it as parents and kids or lovers or uh, someone in a higher power or whatever it is. And, um, but anyway, I thought the song um, had lots of sides to it. So I did the sinning version, but then I was like, I feel like this could be a, a more joyful um, song about starting again. So we did it with the band.
Mother Banjo on The Brian Oak Show, episode 350. I think it's 356. I'm not certain. Before we continue with Ellen Stanley, a.k.a. Mother Banjo, I would like to talk to my friend Sean. Sean is a friend of mine. We've known each other for maybe at, at some point we're going to know each other longer than we haven't known each other. And that's a weird thought. We might be close to that point because I think we... Well, you we very first met around 94. We didn't work together till a couple of years later. Yeah, but still, man. I mean, we're we're it's about 29 years ago. Holy that's cowboy. That's somewhere. I've known you longer than I haven't known you. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, uh the point is uh is that Sean in addition to all of his important work as a podcaster extraordinaire He's the one who told me that podcasting was worth getting into. I'm still not sure that he's right, but we did just recently pass our four-year anniversary. He's also a realtor by trade for Remax Results. How are, uh, how's biz? Biz is good. It's been busy. I just had a closing last week, uh, and I've got several things coming up over the winter, which I'm very thankful for because I think the perception is that nobody moves in the winter. It all depends on your situation, uh, really, as far as that goes. Um I wanted to talk a little bit about gratitude without being cheesy about it. I'm so grateful for the Twin Cities music community and people like Ellen and Ben Cook Feltz, her husband, and so many people that don't just do music themselves, but they collaborate so well with other people. They help other artists. Going to shows, seeing how many other artists are there that are not performing, they're just there to support the other artists. Mm-hmm. It fills me with gratitude. I'm so thankful for our Twin Cities music community. That's why I donate a portion of every buy and sell to an area musician or band. Also, uh, the guy that I just helped out, um, we just helped close on his house. He inherited the house from his parents. He's a pretty young guy. Right. Mom and dad both passed away already. Mm. Very, very, very emotional time selling the house that he grew up in and where his parents raised him. Just got the nicest text from him. And the coolest thing, he said, I just sat and talked to my neighbor about you and you helping me through this process. So I am giving her your name because she's going to be moving next spring. And like, that's such a huge compliment. You know, the fact that somebody was, was, you know, it's one thing to say, Hey, thanks for doing that. It's another to say, I'd recommend you to somebody else. So I know that everybody knows about 10 realtors. That's what the stats show eight to 10 realtors. I get that, but I'm so thankful when people think of me, you know that I'm going to work really hard for you and care about you through the process. So I just want to say I'm thankful to my clients and the music community and just to be able to to do this sort of work. So you can reach me at 612-859-2594. That number is also textable. Huxtable? It's Theo Huxtable. All right, very good. <clears throat> jamming on the one. J- j- jamming on the one. You remember the episode, <laughs> yeah, of Stevie I do. Wonder? Of course that I do. Yeah. SK1 Just right so there. so cheesy. J- 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 jamming on the one. J- jamming on the one. <laughs> Ellen, um, <laughs> if people want to know more about Mother Banjo, the other work you do, if they're like, well, shit, I make that kind of music. I wouldn't mind having a little representation. What's ground zero for Ellen Stanley online, or how do people get a hold of you? Well, all the different hats of all the different things. Um, but I will say uh, I am on Facebook, so you can find me that way for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, X, whatever it's called, Ellen's Mojo is my handle on those places. So you can find me there. And that's for all my hats. Um, but otherwise, MotherBanjo.com, EFSPublicity.com, WomenFolkRadio.com, and ThatCatalogListeningParty.com, which is probably my favorite thing outside of my music that I'm doing right say now. Say that again because I missed that. Back Catalog Listening Party, and it's my weekly uh, show, which will soon be 
turned into a podcast, but it's oh, a live great. YouTube show every Friday. It's my musical happy hour I do with my friend Anthony Erig, who's uh, the banjo player for the High 48s, one of my favorite banjo mm-hmm. players in the state. Uh, he and I invite different guest artists to revisit old records, and we spend an hour um, just playing songs in real time with people live on YouTube who listen in and ask questions. And um, it's really fun. We started during the pandemic because we missed our artists and music-loving friends, and uh, we got up. People wanted it to keep going, even when gigging came back. So we have a Patreon, and it's my favorite hour of the week because we just no agenda. Like even for albums that I don't know, I don't listen to them in advance because I've actually found it doesn't make the conversation better. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, because it's all about listening, and uh, you hear things that you wouldn't normally hear, mm-hmm. and um, and when. And some of these artists are people I've interviewed maybe when they've had a new album uh, on my radio show, and which is great. But um, there's something about time that changes how you feel about a record, which I've been thinking mm. a lot about with um, The Devil Hasn't Won. Now it's the 10th anniversary um, since that album came out. Is I feel, I feel differently about these songs than I did 10 years ago. And obviously when you perform the songs live, they change. But also like how I think about the recording, my affection for it, even all its warts and all, you know, it's like we didn't fix anything when we released it um, because it it would ruin it, you know, Um, even though, yeah, I think I could make a better record now (laughs) because that all artists hopefully are evolving all the time. But a record can only be a snapshot in time. Uh, mm. No matter how much time you spend on it, eventually you stop and, well it's, and it yeah. stops in that place. And um, um, so I anyway, getting to appreciate that process even in a deeper way and get to know so many people has been really such a gift. And I it's yeah my favorite hour of the week because all I have to do is listen to music and talk to people. The 10th anniversary edition of The Devil Hasn't Won is out in two short days, and then you're going to celebrate it with a release party at the Dakota this coming Sunday. Where would I, if I were a fan, and I'm like, oh, I like Mother Banjo Band quite a bit. I would like to get my hands on a copy of that. Can I find it in local record stores? Can I find it on the internet? Where can I find it? You can find it at um, at on Bandcamp right now. It's available on for pre order. Um, and uh, screw so, that. Go buy the vinyl. Buy the <laughs> vinyl. That's what I'm saying. Go yeah. buy yeah. the vinyl. That's what I'm saying. You can get the vinyl on Bandcamp. Oh, on so Bandcamp. you can order okay, it. Cool. I didn't That's know what I'm. That. Yes. Cool. All right. Gotcha. You All right. can order it on Bandcamp. Um, and uh, it will be available in record stores. I have not made the rounds because you right. know it takes time to make yes. it to all the places. Yes. I should have given you just a bigger stack, um, Brian, because <laughs> I know you are in yeah. all those places. Uh, yeah. On Friday morning, Black Friday is sort of the secondary record store day every single year. And although my recent change in situation at my job uh, has meant that I can't work at the record store like I used to, I will be there bright and early on Friday morning ushering people in to buy these sort of <clears throat> fake collectibles. That being said, yes, if you bring me a snack, I will <laughs> gladly get it over to the good people at Mill City Sound. Excellent. Well, um, so I will be. It will be in all the places, um, uh, and of course, we'll, we'll see what the holiday offers. Whether I can get them all there by fr- by yeah. this weekend, but um, it will definitely be available at my show. That's going to be the best place if you live in the Twin Cities at the Dakota. We'll have plenty of copies of that and the other albums. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to re- release this on vinyl, aside from the fact that it's my first time releasing anything on vinyl, mm-hmm. is um, for two reasons. One is that it's been out of print for a long time because I sold out of the CDs years ago. It's been my most popular record. Um, people, It really seems to speak to be people on a lot of levels, uh, which is really wonderful. Uh, so it's nice to have a physical format. Also, I feel like this album was meant to be on vinyl originally. Like the sound of it has mm. kind of a classic feel to it. 
also it's a, a it's a shorter album so i could do it on 180 gram vinyl mm-hmm. and have the real good audio quality but also it just feels like the spirit of this record is about there's a lot of themes on this record about living in the moment gathering together with people um how important that is uh be in communion with people, which is what live music is all about too. And what making this record was about for me. And, um, and there's no better way to do that than by listening on vinyl. Cause you kind of have to be yep. there. You mm-hmm. can't all be plugged into your ear pods. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you, you're, you're, you're gathering around the living room, the dining room, having coffee, a glass of wine, whatever, you know, you're listening to music and singing along with it. And that's really what the spirit of this record is. And, and that's how I, I I feel about this album, uh, sort of the joy that went into making it, and um, to be doing that at Dakota, where we originally released the record. So, so cool. uh, we're really excited. And Annie Mac is going to be opening. Oh, I was going to ask Annie I mean, Mac. like, so you you mentioned Mary Bue. Uh, we didn't mention uh, Nisa, Nissa, Nissa, yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, I don't think Nissa's going to be able to join us because she had a, a family emergency come up. Me um, and my big mouth. Um, Me but Nissa's amazing, and and we'll get her on a different show. She, yeah, she's a bass player for the Fox Gloves and Superior Siren. Um, but um, Annie Mac. Annie Mac will be opening and uh, sitting in with us on a few tunes. Oh, great! And she's a not only an amazing singer, but she's also a, a become a very dear friend. So I'm really excited to have her there. Um, and Mary Bue, same, uh, really excited to have her sit in with a band. We just had a rehearsal last night and it's like, oh, we got, now we have three, four voices singing. Wow. Piano, drums, mandolin, wow. bass, guitars. It's going to be banjo, of course. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So it's going to be a good time. And this is music meant to be sung together. And that's why I like doing it at the Dakota because people in Minnesota need a little help they need to feel a little relaxed <laughs> yes, to sing along you know and this isn't a need, lutheran church they you know need to learn to clap in time too if we could True. just get that and you know done what? in minnesota just don't that clap. would be great just don't clap yeah, i'm i'm a bigger fan of that just don't clap yeah if you can't hit the beat. i don't care what people do as long as they're engaged and <laughs> yeah, enjoying the true. music yeah. leaning forward and- I, maybe my expectations have gotten low but <laughs> I honestly, if people, again, this is music that's meant to be sung with people. Yes. And that's why, if, to me, that's the what, what makes it, um, that's why I like gospel music. Uh, mm-hmm. Good gospel music is just about um, uh, coming together uh, and enjoying the moment. And after the pandemic, uh, this is where this album has sort of changed with time. I feel like, um, again, a lot of the themes are about gathering with people. And one of the songs, um, We Are Witness, which I think we're going to hear yes. is, I wrote it for a wedding. Uh, a friend asked me to write a song for a wedding, and it was a secular wedding. And then, uh, so I was supposed to write a song for it, and I was trying, I didn't want it to be trite, just like love, love. Like, what can I say that's meaningful uh, without being, like, religious in any way? And and so I was realizing that my favorite part of a wedding is the fact that uh, so in some traditions you're asked, like, what will you do to support this yes. couple in their marriage? Mm-hmm. And, like, and there's something really powerful about gathering together. Otherwise, why do you do these ceremonies yeah. and these things, right? Yeah. Um, and um, and it's my favorite part. So it's about like being witness to that moment. And I wrote it for a wedding, but it's become a much bigger song um, where people, it's about gathering together, appreciating the moment. And after the pandemic, I mean, I, we can't take any of these moments, you know, um, for granted. I don't know. I, I feel like these songs to me mean even more now because I, I realize how lucky we are to do it together. And for me to do it with the same band after all these years is really powerful. So Dan Gorder on guitars, Ben Cookfelt's on keys, uh, 
Jim Parker on mandolin. Eric Paulson played bass on the record. He has officially retired from his work with my band and the Rowe Family Singers. He's just enjoying being a grandpa. So he'll be at the show, but he won't be playing. Um, but Andy Schuster will be on bass, who plays with Ben Cookfelts and Wild Colonial Boys and a bunch of other bands, Federales. Um, so he'll be there. And again, um, I'm just really grateful for these people. And the season of gratitude, what could be better than making music? Here and now, we are witness. 